0: Hey, real quick, Craig here. If you're looking to take your six-figure business to seven figures and beyond, let's talk to see how the Built to Scale program can help you grow your business without sacrificing your personal life. Head to BuiltToScaleHQ.com to to set up your one-on-one call with me. Welcome to Built to Scale, where we have real conversations with entrepreneurs just like you about what it takes to build a thriving business without sacrificing your personal life. My name is Craig Severinson, and I help people make more money working with better clients while also working less. And now I'm sharing it all with you. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to episode three. Today we're talking to Alicia Galati from Galati Media and she runs a full service podcast agency. Now what's really cool about her is that, um, you know, I think a lot of like podcast people right now are just coaches, like they tell you how to run a podcast. She actually is a full service agency. So she's got a team, she's got people helping her. She helps you launch and create and maintain your podcast. So it's a different angle on a really hot tool right now. So it's really exciting what we talk about. And there's a couple things I want you to look out for. So number one, look out for uh, what it takes to 10X your fees. So she went from charging $400 for her services to $4,000. So she 10X that in just a few short months. Number two, we talk about how do you bounce back from a client relationship that goes sour? We all experience it, right? Some some client relationship doesn't go well. So the service just kind of goes you know, down the drain. Well, she used an experience like that to learn and to show up better in the future. And we really dive into that. She gets really honest. It's a really cool uh, story. And then the last thing I want you to look out for is she actually has a team. So we talk about how do you decide who to hire first? You know, Do you hire your service first? Do you hire your salesperson first? Who is it? And we go into her method, her process for doing that. It's really valuable stuff that I think is gonna be really useful. So I'm gonna stop talking. Let's get into this content. Let's dive in. Well, it's like part of culture now. It's like, so it's, it's uh, you know, you don't really get to see the person anyways, right? Because like we're only putting out what we want to put out. So, but it's, it's good. So I saw a lot of mini golf. So you're saying your kids like mini golf. They're small. How old are your kids?
1: Yeah. So they are seven and four, two boys. And uh, yeah. they are just, they're obsessed with dinosaurs. And we went on a small vacation with my in-laws to Myrtle Beach and they have like mini golf on every other corner so we obviously had to do mini golf
0: (laughs) nice so uh you know you got you've got two kids how has being a parent like played into entrepreneurship for you is that like a big consideration for you when you started or were you an entrepreneur before you had kids like how how has that played into your your journey
1: yeah so i did not do anything entrepreneurial before I had kids. It was after I had kids and I was actually planning my wedding with my husband. We had had our first child and I started making jewelry for my bridesmaids and I was like, oh, I could sell this. So I sold a few pieces on Etsy and I was like, this is cool. Joined a few like mom boss groups, which is just it's silly, but whatever, (laughs) I joined a few of those groups and then, you know, kind of, well, my eyes were opened to this whole online space and being able to make more money than you do in your corporate job, people leaving their corporate job. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Also, I don't want to be a stay at home mom. I already know that. Like I have zero desire to do Uh that. Uh, But it would be really cool to be able to set my own schedule and, take a nap in the middle of the day. And I was working (laughs) in manufacturing at the time. So like a very nine to five, sometimes, you know, more hours, uh, but on my feet all day and worked with a really group, you know, great group of dudes, but it was mostly like 150 guys to five girls. So Uh it was, uh, you know, definitely a different experience in my corporate, you know, this is what it is, but always dabbled in a little bit of everything. So everything from, you know, marketing to blog writing to, you know, work subcontracting for agencies and while having my corporate job just to have a little extra money. And then, uh, fast forward to 2020, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to shift my business because I was doing inventory management for small e-commerce businesses on the side of my corporate job and in that I was in supply chain. So it was a bit of like the same thing on both. Yeah, realized really quickly, wow, this is really boring. I don't like doing (laughs) my side hustle being the same as what I do in my corporate job. Let's see if I can try to launch a podcast for someone. Got laid off from my job because, you know, 2020 (laughs) and was like, all right. Thanks universe. This is the uh, kick off the proverbial ledge for me. Yeah. and within a month of leaving corp of being let go, uh was able to supplement my income and now I have, you know, an agency of, you know, podcast managers which is awesome. insane. My husband uh, is a stay-at-home dad and he has been through my corporate career uh like the last three years, he's been a stay home dad now. So including some of my corporate career. And when I moved home and was home working, there was definitely a bit of a dynamic shift in trying to like, okay, we don't have a huge house. I can hear you guys out there yelling, screaming at each other. How in the world am I going to be able to focus? Like, trying like that dynamic of being a parent and having to hear your kids while you're trying to also do work and make money. It's definitely
0: interesting. (laughs) How do you like it? How do you like it? I'm in the same, (laughs) you don't like it. I'm in the same boat. And, uh, you know, it's not. So my window is, uh, facing just the outside in front of the door. And the only real problem I have, I mean, aside from, you know, kids come in every once in a while, they just, they do. But the only problem I have is that, They'll be playing outside, and they don't realize that when they're yelling right outside the window, <laughs> they're yelling inside my office. Yes. Um, you know, and so that can be frustrating. But I, I, for me, the trade-off of being able to, you know, I've had experiences like um, I get off a call. This, this one really stuck with me. I, I got off a call, and I was walking upstairs just to go use the restroom and do you know what you do in between calls. And as I'm walking up the stairs, my youngest kid fell down and hurt himself and was crying. And I was able to just pick him up and hold him for like five minutes. You know, like that's that's the trade-off to me that you can't get anywhere else. So for me, I love it. I I personally am a huge fan. I think that when your kids are little, it's a great situation. I don't wanna be like this forever. I think one day I'll get like the office and stuff like that. But like right now I'm really happy with it.
1: Yeah, I definitely understand that trade-off for sure. Like, um, you know, when your kids get hurt and, and of course being my, my youngest is a mama's boy. So he like, every time he gets hurt, he's at the, the baby gate yelling, ma, ma. And it doesn't matter (laughs) if I'm on a call or not. He's just like, you need to come kiss this boo boo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the, This was like two years. No, it's been longer. Like three years ago. BBC dad guy, the guy that was like on national TV, and then like the daughter comes in just like strutting in, and the mom tore in trying to get the get the kid. Uh, That's like that's like my life on like a daily basis, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll be on a call. Only we don't, you know. I think the cool thing about uh, running your own agency and setting the tone and setting your brand is that like my clients when I'm working with clients. And a kid comes in, I just pick them up, they put on my lap. We keep talking, they wave and then the kid goes away. You know what I mean? Like it's, they don't do it very often, but like, I think that there's a beauty in being able to just have set the tone for how you work, right. And set the tone of how your family fits into your business life. I think that's really cool. It's something that no other, you know, in, in modern history, no other, um, generation of business owners has been able to work like work like this. And it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I think that it's becoming more prevalent also with like corporate jobs and things like that because they're understanding like you are working from home. You kind of have to due to the pandemic and it's like this is becoming the new normal, which is I agree. It's pretty cool. Also, I'd like like five minutes of quiet if that'd be great. (laughs) Like I told my husband, I have this thing, this really important call at, at noon. If you could just like not come home after speech therapy, that'd be great. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll text you when I'm done. Go
0: to Chick-fil-A. It'll be fine. Like,
1: can... yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: okay. You said something a, a while ago that, um, I just, I gotta, maybe it's touchy, maybe it's not, but the, the phrase mom boss, right. Mm. Um, I, 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 so I want to ask you as, as a female entrepreneur, like, how do you feel about those terms? Like, because they're, they're, they're very, very prevalent, right? right? Like mom bosses, uh, women targeting other women as like, that's their niche, their target market. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that? Um, I don't know what to call that, that phenomena or that trend maybe? Like, is that a good thing, a bad thing? Is it neutral? What, what do you think?
1: Yeah. So I think that I'm the kind of person where like I really don't care. You know, like whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but I understand the concept of women wanting to just be treated as equal without having like you don't say boy boss, you say yeah, girl totally. boss. So it's like like it would be silly to say boy boss. <laughs> like why are we saying girl boss? Like no, they're both bosses. Like and uh, like own that. I technically target usually female business owners. Uh-huh. But that's not to say that I haven't been on potential client calls with men. Like I have had plenty of them. They typically don't end up working with us. And it's not because of anything particular. It's usually that my prices are, are pretty hefty and they, you know, sometimes expect, Oh, it's a woman business owner. I can kind of cut corners mm-hmm. here. No, that's not really how we roll here. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: good. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people like get up in arms about things that it's like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter when it comes to like who you are talking to in your market. That's yes. You need to identify that for yourself, but putting it out there, you could just say bosses and it's fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that there's some value to that. I, I agree. I tend to agree with you. And I feel like as a guy, um, I just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> you know what I'm mean? Like <laughs> i like just like, uh, I, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I don't want to segregate a girl boss versus a boy boss. Just, let's just call him a boss. Let's just be like, we are equal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if a female entrepreneur wants to own that or be in that space, like who am I to say no, or, you know, like that's totally teach to his own. I think And it doesn't sound like you're doing this, but I think my experience dealing with like, especially like newer female entrepreneurs, I feel like lots of times, I think there's legit reasons to like segregate and be like, I want to work only with women because I think that there is, or even like I've seen entrepreneurs do it with guys too. I only want to work with men because there is an energy that's different in terms of like when you have an all female group or an all male group and, and, and there's value in that. But I feel like lots of times, especially new entrepreneurs will target, they feel like it's easier or safer, right? Like, oh, I work with female entrepreneurs or female whatever. And it's like, well, you're, I don't know, like that's fine, but are you doing that because it's a smart business move? Mm. Or are you doing that because you're scared that you're not gonna be good enough if you just put yourself out there for everybody? I think that's the, you know, so whenever I hear that, I'm always like, I cringe a little, but not because like I'm against it, but because I'm against being fearful and not like owning your power, right? Like you should, you can be an awesome business owner. Just do it.
1: Yeah. I love that so much because what you're saying is like, I see that so often, especially since I've been in the online space for so long is they'll almost put themselves in a box because they're afraid of like either charging more or of like showing up in a space where maybe they don't feel a hundred percent comfortable. And it's like, if you want to run a successful business, you have to get uncomfortable. Like, yeah. In some way or another, whether you're, say you're good at sales, well, you're going to have to understand the back end of a business. You can't just run a business without, like, looking at your finances, <laughs> you know, like, you're totally. going to have to get uncomfortable in some way. And 100%, I agree with you. Like, what? look into it. What is the reason? What are you trying to trying to hold back from here?
0: Totally. You know, there's a saying, and I think, man, I wish I could remember who who it was. I've got this quote on my wall, and I'm pretty sure it was James Wedmore. So I'm going to give him the credit. It may not have been him, but I'm going to give him the credit. And he says something along the lines, I've got it written here, so I'm just going to read it. Business is simply a series of problems that you can solve. So problems are inevitable. It's how you show up that matters. And that, like, mm. I think, is entrepreneurship to a T. If you spend your whole time trying to avoid problems, you're never going to get anywhere. But if you just say, hey, I'm headed to this destination and problems are par for the course and I can face them, I can solve them, that's when you start making traction. That's when you start really, really growing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, look like at everything you're saying. I'm just like. cuz home. <laughs> so much. I see it so often. Like, And even this whole idea of like, and we could go on a tangent on this. Like, you see business owners. I had a, a friend recently. She was like, "Hey, have you noticed this trend lately in in entrepreneurs?" And I was like, "Oh no, I haven't. You know what's going on?" Somebody I know. So she sends me a screenshot of someone, and it's uh, a was it a coach that helps you with your like authenticity, like an authenticity coach? And I was like, "Okay, so I have problems with that because most likely, and that's not to say that this person specifically is like this, but usually when it's an authenticity coach or a coach that helps coaches to help coaches to help coaches." it like ends up being this like where you don't end up learning how to run a business that works for you instead you're just taking someone else's cookie cutter version of what worked for them and then trying to mold yourself and fit yourself into this space that is not going to work which is why the first 5 years of my entrepreneurship was like a total dud but once i realized like i don't want to have a course I don't wanna you know, do strategy only. I want to have an agency where I am, where my clients can literally just drop their audio in and my team runs through the rest. We help with strategy, we will help with marketing, we help with everything. They are just able to record and then that's it. Mm. That, I love that space. I love being able to hang out and be able to like, nope, this is my genius, this is where I wanna stay and I'm a service provider. I, you know, people pay good money to work with us, and that's it. (laughs) Like, I'm not gonna create a course, I'm not gonna create a group program, because that's not, that's not the business model that I want. But if I were to work with most of the coaches online, they would tell me, nope, this is that's not the business model. You're not gonna make money that way. This is how you need to have your business. And as a young entrepreneur, it would be very easy to be like, okay, here's my credit card. Tell me what to do. And it's like,
0: no, <laughs> yep. man, there's a huge problem. We could, we could go on a tangent on this because there's a huge problem with the incestuousness of the coaching industry of coaches, coaching coaches to coach coaches. And they're just making money from that down. It's a, it's a, it's a pyramid scheme, right? They're just making money down that line. But uh, let's, let's not touch that. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's just back away slowly from that topic and uh, we'll let that, we'll let that sit. So, you know, something's really intriguing me here uh, in, in that you said, um, so you had like five years of doing the side hustle kind of manufacturing, not what you were, uh, what, uh, you're doing now. And then you switched to the, the agency, uh, podcasting, uh, show, which is awesome. And and it sounds like you've been able to raise your prices. Um, and and so this is, this is my question. This is where I'm going with this Mm -hmm. is, um, I feel like people who have been in business about as long as you have they're just then starting to raise their prices. Like they're just then starting to gain that like, um, confidence. Right. And it's so key to charge a premium price to actually have a business that runs successfully. So like, yeah. what was it that m- helped you make that switch to being like, you know, cause what, what did you say? You said, you know, sometimes guys come to you and they think they can get it cheap and it's like, nope, not going to happen, <laughs> which is awesome. I love that. How did you get to that mindset or how did you get to that point? Like, what was it that helped you?
1: Yeah. So. For the first project I did, I charged $450 for a podcast launch. Now, a podcast launch with us is $4,000. Cool. So that that was a year ago. So like the first one, I was like, you know what? I've launched two of my own. Let me see if I can get these processes in place. Let me see if I can replicate the success that I've had. That first one was great. Then the next person that got on the phone with me, I said, okay, well, that's a lot more work than I anticipated it being because it's not my show. I'm having to kind of walk someone through this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be $1,400 for a launch. And then from there, just every time I was like, okay, we have more success. We've able to put these things in and we have clients that are constantly coming to us for weekly shows. And we have, uh, new people who are inquiring about their launches and I'm able to, I have people reaching out to me to speak on summits and to speak at conferences. And so, like, obviously there's value here. Now I have a team of people helping me and I need to make sure that they can pay their bills. Mm -hmm. Where does it make sense to raise my prices? And I recently was talking to an agency coach and she was like, you need to raise your prices again, Alicia. Like what you're doing is extremely valuable and there are not a lot of other people in the industry doing full service, like from strategy to production, to management, they're doing bits of it. And so you're able to be a one-stop shop. You need to raise your prices again. And I'm like, uh, fine. (laughs) Like, like it's not easy, but you kind of just take baby steps. And and every time you do it, it's like a little easier to say that higher price. And remembering like, I am offering a ton of value. I'm t- offloading so much work for my clients. They're able to have these awesome, successful podcasts. Yeah. All right. Like, yes, I am worth, we are worth that money. Great. Let's, let's go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's so much in what you just said that it's so valuable. I'm gonna, I want to extract a couple of it. first is, so what you just described is what I call stair-stepping. <clears throat> and, and what it sounds like exactly what you just said, right? Because like lots of times I'll come to my, First thing i do with my clients is they come to me and it's like we rework their package and i'm like you got to charge, you know most times it's like double triple your rates right now and they're like scared to do it and so like we do exactly what you just said it's like okay well what are you comfortable raising it to you've got two mm-hmm. slots at that level and then guess what we're going to here and you've got two slots at that level and then guess what we're going to here and it's like every time you just kind of raise it up and that helps you acclimatize mm-hmm. to this bigger bigger price and then the other thing that you, you didn't straight up say it, but like, you're basically saying, Hey, there's a huge ROI here and we're not charging based off the time I spend to do it. We're charging based off the value you get as a client when you work with us and that value based pricing model, super, super important for being able again, like all of this. I know like I you talk about like premium rates and raising rates with like newer entrepreneurs and they just don't understand like that's what it takes to actually run a business that can function beyond just you. Like if you're just a person in, in your basement and that's just you, yeah, you can charge these rock bottom prices. But if you want a business that actually is a business, you got to charge something higher. You've, it's got to be able to support itself.
1: Yeah. And I think also the fact that as the sole income provider of my family, that was really important to me. Like I, and I was still applying to jobs, you know, I had like the first six months of being laid off. And then once I was able to bring in, you know, 5k a month, I was like, okay, so we're going to not be applying to jobs anymore. (laughs) We don't need to, Um, you know, and my husband was like, yeah, no, you're good. Like, just keep going. So like being able to have those conversations with my husband of like, okay, how much do we need to survive on a monthly basis? all right, what do I need to do that? And I think that really pushed that mindset to like, okay, I need to charge more. Okay, I need to charge more. All right, let's charge more this time because oh. there was something that I was you know, pushing for and I knew that the value equaled the price. So then now having a team, it's like, all right, that's more people that I'm able to push that price for because I know how awesome they are and the value that they bring as well. So it's like, you're not just getting me, you're getting a wealth more of knowledge than just myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. So so I want to switch gears on you a little bit and talk about like what's, what's a, like when you look into the future, like a year, two years, five years down the line, where are you taking Gladi Media? Where's it going?
1: Yeah, so, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Got <laughs> lots of big plans. Uh, we're actually going to be hiring our first full-time employee in the fall. Oh, cool. So very excited about that. Uh, and then she's going to be my executive assistant as well as like helping train the team, project management, stuff like that. Um, so this but- is your first,
0: sorry, I'm cutting you off, but that's yeah. your first full time. Do you have other employees or subcontractors now you do, right?
1: Yeah. So I have four subcontractors right now. Um,
0: so- and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just cutting you off. Left, right. So here's, okay. here's the question. Like what, how did you decide? Cause I think this is a struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs who are like on the edge of wanting to make a hire, how -hmm. did you decide my first is my first hire is going to be an executive, my first full-time is going to be an executive assistant or, and how did you decide who your first subcontractors were? Like what roles did you decide on and why did you decide on those?
1: Yeah. So the first hire was an editor and that is where the majority of our time is spent. So for a podcast, it typically takes four times the length of the audio to like have a good podcast. And that's one thing that we like stand behind. We're like, you don't need to clap in the middle of your episode for us to find it like, no, we listen to every word. We take out bad jokes that don't land right. We take out content that's like, mm, I don't, this doesn't make any sense. Or if you're just like, all right, please take out that last sentence, we take it out. So that's one thing where I was like, this is the this is the nitty-gritty where we offer. Uh, so it's gonna take time. I don't have any more time to give. If we're going to get more clients, I'm I don't don't have any more hours in the day to be able to survive like this. So I need an editor to come in and be able to give some of that to them. That was uh, the first hire. Now I sat with uh, my biz bestie. She does, she's an integrator for like million dollar e-commerce businesses. They're like in the one to 10 millions in e-commerce. And so she hires a lot of team members for that. And so she walked me through each of the things we were doing for clients looking at it like big picture and then deciding, all right, where do we need to spend the majority of the time? And a lot of that was in the editing, but also those things that I was doing, those graphics, the social media scheduling, the things that like I could offload to an executive assistant where they could be really well-rounded to be able to take those off of my plate. And I can focus solely on the strategy and the business. So- Like for the next month, I have our team going in and we use ClickUp to manage our process. They're going to be going in and doing like tracking their time through each progress process. So I can see where is the money going for each client? Is that client profitable? Do we need to raise their rates if they've been grandfathered in? How much do we need to raise it by? Things like that. So like really looking into that stuff. But I can't do that if I'm stuck behind An editing software all day, you know, listening to clients talk, which is great. I love doing that, but I can't do it all the time and do the things that are going to take the business to the next level.
0: You know what you just described there? Like, it's so smart, but I feel like we miss this a lot. It's like you're, we just don't, it's capacity. Like your capacity Mm -hmm. dictates how profitable your business can actually be. And if you are doing everything, your capacity has a hard cap And so I love that. I think it's a chicken and egg where most people hire. It's either like, oh, I'm going to hire sales first or I'm going to hire service first. Mm -hmm. And personally, I agree with you. Like you start with your service so that that capacity increases because no one's ever going to be as passionate as you are at selling your stuff. So like (laughs) increase that capacity and then go sell it and then increase it some more and then go sell it. And like, that's a great way to grow. Uh, But I cut you off. Okay, so you're you're hiring your first full-time person. What else is coming up?
1: Yeah, so I'm looking to really organize the business in a true agency style. So having account manager, like that's my five year goal is like having a few account managers, they have maybe two editors under them. They have like social media person under them. And it's kind of like a pyramid of, you know, awesomeness <laughs> of like different team members, um, being able to then allow me to just sell. Cause I really like talking about podcasting. I like getting on the phone with potential clients. This has been the easiest iteration of my business to sell because I, I love it. I love podcasting. I love talking about it. And so it's very easy for me to get on the phone with a potential client and say, either we're for you or we're not, but either way, let's have a talk. Let's connect. Let's chat. What are you looking for? And I've even referred business to other people where they're like, I don't need your full service, but maybe I just need help piecemealing my episode together. I'm like, well, I don't recommend that, but whatever. I have someone you can go
0: to. <laughs> you know. Have you ever uh, read the book uh, Built to Sell? The guy's name is John Warlow.
1: I've heard of it, but I haven't. I haven't read it.
0: I, I think it's one of my favorite books, and I just was thinking about what you were just saying because his whole theory or hypothesis is, uh, you know, build a business that is sellable, and that's the most freedom you can have because it gives you options. It, you could sell it, or you could uh, install a CEO and step on the board, or you could be the CEO and the business runs itself and you just become the quality control slash visionary of the business. And uh, the whole book is based around the agency model. And so I, I was like, hey, that's like right up your alley. But yeah. that's, I, it's one of my favorite books. I think I read it once a year. It's it's really, really good.
1: I'll definitely have to get it then.
0: <laughs> well, cool. Like that's a lot of exciting stuff. Uh, what, what sort of like, I, I don't know, obstacles or difficulties are you facing as you try to build that dream?
1: Yeah, so a lot of it has to do around like going back to my values, Mm. especially with team members and potential team members. And when I sit down the phone with, you know, a new potential hire, I mean, we had chats with like at least five people before I hired our latest editor. And I was like, really (laughs) being able to go back to the values. Okay, what are my values? is it going to align with this person and what they're trying to bring to the table? I also hate confrontation. So like saying no to someone, like it sucks. (laughs) Um, And like, even today I had to have a chat. We have team meetings every Tuesday. And I was like, look, we had, uh, you know, not so great feedback from one of our clients recently. Let's, let's let's step up to the plate here, you know, like how can we do better? Here are some examples that we can use to, you know, it was about show notes. So being more thorough with show notes, making sure because Google's indexing podcast, you guys need to make sure the show notes are good. And this is why, all right, here's some examples of what not to do. Here's some examples of what to do you can always refer back to them. And then uh, the, the ed- lead editor that we have, who's going to be stepping into that executive assistant role. She was, you know, in there making notes in click up, like, Hey, this is how we can refer back to it. So, you know, it's like being able to get uncomfortable. Like we said earlier, Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like,
1: that's going to be the way uh, to get out of those difficult situations is, you know, stepping up and it's not easy. Like, yeah, I have management experience. Yeah, I have, you know, I can run this business. I've been doing it for a while, but there's always going to be new struggles and new issues. And like recently we had a very subpar launch mm. and it was like a total dud. And I was like, what happened? <laughs>
0: like, yeah, What
1: did we do wrong? What about the client? Wasn't the best fit for us. And we still said, yes, like, I think that's what it boiled down to. And like, we like to work with people who have an established audience. They, and it's not that they have to have thousands and thousands of followers. We had someone launch who had 2000 followers and landed in multiple parenting categories in the US and Canada and all these other places. So like, it's not the number, but okay. This one had a very similar audience size, but they were not engaged and the content just maybe wasn't entirely aligned with what they should have been talking about and still saying yes to it. As soon as she, like, it was like a month after she paid her invoice. And I was like, this is not going to work. Like, And like, but we still said we would do it. And so we did it even though I knew we shouldn't have. And as soon as it came to the end of it, I was like, we don't have capacity to take you on like as a, continuous client and she's like yeah no that's fine I I was gonna do it myself after this anyway and so that I think was really hard this so far yes. this summer <laughs> like
0: so did that client end up being like disappointed or you know uh like were they I am I'm, I'm this is something that happens to everybody like things go sideways with clients like that's just happens right so how how did you handle that difficult conversation or or like were they did I'm sorry. I've got like three questions coming out of my (laughs) mouth right now, because I think that lots of times we think it's worse than the client thinks it is. So I'm Mm -hmm. wondering, was the client as disappointed as you were? I think
1: so. Yeah. And she had sent me an email saying, you know, like some things aren't getting done the way I thought they would, or, you know, this is what was in the contract. And like, well, we've done this, 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 and this, this is what we provide. I think the expectations weren't really set entirely. Maybe there was some miscommunication in the beginning. So exactly what we do and how we do it. And so when it came down to the actual launch, it got to the point where it was like, I think her expectations weren't met because they weren't really clarified at the beginning. Um, when we had that initial call. And you know, obviously I try to do the best I can. I my contracts have like this, these are the nitty gritty things that we yeah. do. Um and so I can help you and, and give you strategies for like, like we're not going to do your email marketing for you. So if you want to promote your podcast on your email, great, we have a template for you to use. But other than that, we're not logging in and doing that. And so I think she was like, okay, so, all right, when should I get my launch team together? All right, well, this is this is when we put the launch team together. And all right, you have your launch team. How many people said yes? Okay, two people said yes. That's not okay. <laughs> like we need more people than that. Um, so I think there was just like, it just didn't work.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> how do, how do you bounce back mindset wise from something like that? So I think that's the danger. Something like this happens yeah. and then it sends you into a funk. Right. So how, how yeah. what, what have you done to bounce back or yes. did it set, set you back?
1: It, I think mindset wise, it definitely set me back. Cause like we had just come off of two really incredible launches and then that one. And so it was like, What did, you know, of course, the first thing I looked at was like, what did we do wrong? Like, where did we not show up? Where did we not, you know, give the most value that we could? And we had this issue. But then after that, I was like, okay, I think what I need to focus on now is where can we do better next time? But then. How do we set better expectations for clients ahead of time? So really being able to review that. And that's actually something that we plan on doing as a team is sitting down and going through it and seeing Mm -hmm. what are the, and we're going to put that on the podcast of like, all right, this is where we, we messed up. All right. How can we do better next time? I think that provides value as well of like showing this is what not to do. If you're a listener and you're trying to DIY it, but also showing potential clients that, we're learning from our mistakes and we'll show up better for the next one.
0: I love that. You know, you talk about authenticity earlier. That's, that's authenticity. That's, that's honesty. You know, I, I do something similar whenever I uh, have a call that I shouldn't be having, you know, like either it's a client call that something's wrong or, or like, you know, just it's a low level thing that I shouldn't be doing, right? Mm-hmm. It should be somebody else. I always set a part time right after the call or right after experience to say, okay, how can I never have this call again? Or how can I never experience this again? And then the, the goal for me is always let's systemize this. Let's build mm-hmm. it into the way that the business functions, so that it is taken care of before it even escalates to this point. Right? So like, I love what you're saying, like, because nine times out of 10, if you're having a bad experience with a client, mm-hmm. it's because they were not ready for your service. You said, yes. When you should have said no. So like if you can build it into your onboarding process, into your sales process, even into your service delivery to identify those people who aren't ready and say no, or if they're not ready, get them ready without you having to think about it. It's just part of the process. That's when your business can really start like, you know, scaling. That's when you can go from like those 10K months to 50, 100K months, right? Like that's the, that's the. Pivot point right there.
1: Yeah. And that's why in our intake forum, we put, Do you believe in equity for all people? Yes or no? And if you say no, then I will send you an email and say, Look, I don't think it's a good fit, but, you know, I wish you the best of luck, blah, blah, blah. I have a template for it, right? (laughs) And if you, uh, and then I have the budget in there too. Like, this is what our services start at on a monthly basis. What's your budget? And if their budget is lower and they say, you know, and in the more anything else to add, they say, look, I just really want to be able to see if maybe I can work with you potentially in the future. Sure. I'll hop on the call. But if you say no to equity and your budget is like 300 bucks a month, then I'm sorry. I am not getting on the phone with you. I just, I don't have yeah. time for that.
0: Now, I think a lot of entrepreneurs would be uh, really tempted Alicia to say, okay, I'm getting a lot of applications that say they only have $300. So I'm going to build this low level thing. How do you resist that urge or do you resist that urge?
1: Yeah, so I resist that urge by saying I don't have time with the <laughs> with like with the business in yeah. mind that I want to have and the life that I want to have and the freedom and the nights off that I want to have, I don't have time to sit down and build a group program or like we plan on launching a small offer, right, for the people who potentially maybe can't work with us entirely, but to go and supplement our podcast. So the podcast is listeners to leads. So, all right, here's a webinar to show you and it's, you know, a paid workshop or whatever to walk you through the ways to get your clients from listen or your listeners, turn them into paying clients or leads for your business using your podcast. So that's something that I can record once. I don't have to do a lot of work. I can easily push people from the podcast to that They get a little bit more of us and they're like, okay, most of those people are not going to come pay us to do their podcast. And that's fine. This is just for them. But if I were to say, okay, I need to serve all these people. I only have so many hours (laughs) to serve them all. So, all right, how can I make sure that I'm making the most of my time still able to offer value for the little guys who I love? And I, you know, here's this $47 thing, but that's where it ends. Like, unless I, you were like, oh, I need to work with Alicia.
0: <laughs> I 100 absolutely love that clarity because I think that what I see kill a lot of entrepreneurs is like just spreading out their offer. You know, I, yeah. each offer requires a different audience. And so if you've got six offers, guess what? You've got six audiences. They might be in like the same adjacent niche, but you've got six different audiences. And it is so hard to to, to balance that, that your business will just shut down. Yeah. And then, like, I love it when people point to like big companies. and They're like, "Would well, they do it?" It's like that's because they've got like they're they're one company, but they actually have like six companies inside of them. Like that's how they do it. Like you know, when you have a team of like two hundred people, then maybe we can talk about this, right? But like, let them be them and let you be you.
1: Yes, one hundred percent.
0: Awesome, Alicia. We gotta we gotta wrap up. But tell me uh, if someone wants to work with you, wants to find more mm-hmm. about you. Give us the name of that podcast. Give us the website. Let us know where we can find you.
1: Yeah, so you can find us at Listeners to Leads. It is the podcast on all of your podcast platforms. Listen wherever. Or you can tell Alexa to play Listeners to Leads podcast. Nice. And – You can find us at Galati Media if you want to work with us or you're, you know, considering working with someone, always happy to hop on and chat with anyone. My favorite place to hang out is Instagram. You can find me at alicia.galati and send me a DM. Let me know that you found me here and I'm always down to chat all things podcast. Such a good conversation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. Thanks so much for being open and for being uh, honest and and, and, uh, giving so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode helped you, share with someone who needs to hear it as well. For more information on how you can work with me and great resources for your business, head over to builttoscalehq.com. Join us next time for Built to Scale, and until then, take some fast focused imperfect action. I believe in you. I got your back. We'll talk soon.